So we've had a lot of guests on this show over the years, but never one like Andy Karanzip. He's the owner of Crown Candy Kitchen in St. Louis, and he's running to become the city's next mayor as a Republican. We talked about his restaurant, his food, and the big issues that are gripping North St. Louis on the latest edition of Politically Speaking. So let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Merzenbaum. And I'm Joe Manis. That's Eric Greitens. Navy <laughs> SEALs running for governor, and I'm really, really glad to be on with you, Jason and Joe. I'm going to push back on these regulators. I'm doing this for the people. I was encouraged along the way, not just by my family, but by a lot of teachers and professors and knew when I was in college that I would run for office someday. We're very excited about the prospect of having some more free market solutions. Even though after the conversation, I still might not agree. We want our listeners to get a real sense of what drives these people. They're actually people with a story to tell. And welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joe Manis is on assignment this morning, so we have as our special guest host... Rachel Lippman, also a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. And the guest that everybody has been waiting for in the entire world, we have today in studio, in the flesh, with sweets, apparently. Andy Kranz, the owner of Crown Candy Kitchen and Republican mayoral candidate. Now, um, I, I had to mention that for full disclosure that our guest has brought many of his wares from his restaurant. Mm-hmm. And can you just disclose what you brought for us today? I brought you two chocolate shakes, two vanilla shakes, a strawberry shake, a butterscotch shake, and ten chocolate bars, five milk and five dark. Wow. Also, in the interest of full disclosure, at one point in time, Andy's wife was my boss at Build-A-Bear Workshop. So now that we have all of those fun little connections out of the way here. And now she's my boss. Well, there you go. (laughs) She was a fantastic boss while I I worked for her. And the, the good news for our listeners is I do not consume much dairy, so I will not be uh blinded by by the sweets that you've given us today. Dang it. There's just more for the rest of us then. <laughs> so we're we're, re- we're really excited to have you on. We we interviewed all seven Democratic candidates for mayor. We're in the process of interviewing a couple Republican candidates for mayor. We're going to have Andrew Jones on next week. And we want you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. Your your campaign is a little bit more unusual than the people we've talked to today, but I think we could actually use it as a as a jumping off point to talk about some important issues. So before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself and and Crown Candy Kitchen as well. Well, I'm I'm 52 years old. I I'm married to my wife Sherry. Um, we uh, we own Crown Candy Kitchen, uh, my family's business. We've been doing it for 104 years on the corner of 14th Street and St. Louis Avenue. Uh, ice cream store, candy store, restaurant, um, and. Uh, you know, we live above the store. We're city residents. We love the city. Um, I'm a huge proponent of the city, uh, the north side and the south side, the central corridor of the city. We're, we're all in this together. Now, I, I have actually never been to Crown Candy Kitchen, which I think is, is a crime in and of itself. Um, can you confirm that your portions are enormous, first of all? For most people, they seem to agree with you on that, that yes, they are very large sandwiches, big shakes, big sundas. There's a few people that complain that they, they need more, which I don't understand. But um, yeah, we're, you know, we, we live in that world where people want more. They want bigger. They don't want, they don't want five pieces of bacon. They want 15. So I can't reduce the size of that BLT because people would, you know, be screaming and hollering that what happened to my sandwich? And if they really, really, really want to walk away full, I feel like they could take on the five malt challenge. That'll probably solve the problem. 
Well, a lot of times when they take it on, if they fail, they usually walk away hungry because <laughs> um, they do have to expel that uh, malt because uh, it doesn't stay in there very long. Well, well, let's talk about that for a second because expelling the malt or the no, 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 the the challenge because this was featured on Man vs. Food, and I actually remember this pretty pretty vividly. Alan Rickman, I think, is his name. Richmond. Adam Richmond. Adam Richmond. I think Alan Rickman is 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 an actor. Yes. Yes. So I'm I'm getting my 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 Alan's confused. I, I remember he came on and said that he could consume uh, several milkshakes and he failed. I I believe in spectacular fashion. Could you can you kind of explain a little bit about that experience? Um, it was I believe nine years ago. Uh, is one that aired uh, nine years ago this month, I do believe. Um, they were a brand new show. They called us out of the blue. They said, hey, this is what he does. He does food challenges. He's never done a cold food challenge. And he wants to come to, he's coming to St. Louis and wants to do the five malt challenge. I'm like, sure. I don't know what's going on here. But uh, you know what? If you're going to put me on TV, I love free publicity. I'm in. They called back and said, we don't have time. We can't make it. We won't be there. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, no big deal. And then a week before Christmas, they called and said, we'll be there on Saturday. I'm like, what's going on here? They showed up with a film crew, not knowing anything about any of us or uh, us knowing anything about them. They were great. They spent 12 hours filming at Crown Candy for 10 minutes worth of video footage, and he was not allowed to eat or drink anything because he was waiting to drink the five malts that night. And um, he attempted to drink the, ch- the malts. I recommended all vanilla which I tell everybody, he said, nope, I'm going to drink what I like. And I said, you won't like him when you're done. <laughs> he chose uh, coffee, chocolate with coffee, eggnog, and uh, like a vanilla and uh, one other one. And I said, those were terrible choices, but you know what? That's on you. And he was down to a half a malt. And he took a big gulp of coffee ice cream, and that's when it began, when he started doing the, the well, let's just say, expelling the malts. It, it was not pretty, and um, I, I imagine if I even consumed maybe a fourth of that, I probably would have emulated the host of that show because, as I said on the on the outset, I do not consume dairy products. And these are not, I mean, for people who have been to Crown Candy, these are not just little, like, milkshake glasses that you see at, you know, Steak and Shake. These are gigantic metal tumblers, so each of the tumblers is, like, two and a half glasses. Right. It's it's two and a half to three glasses. So, you, I mean, you're looking at 24, 26 ounces of ice cream in each one. And human beings are lactose intolerant for a reason. You know, after so much of that, your body says, get this stuff out of me. Yeah. So, But, but that had to be great publicity for your restaurant, right? It was unbelievable. It took us six months to catch up to our rear ends because we were just playing catch up. We just were not prepared for what happened to our business afterwards. So it was a learning curve. It was an awesome experience. I mean, uh, it was one of the biggest things that's ever happened at Crown Candy. So I'm, I'm not complaining because they're still showing reruns and I'm still getting people coming in. And I think Pappy's was also featured on that show and maybe it was a different show, but I, I think that they also experienced a spike in popularity because of that type of exposure. Um, so how long has your, your restaurant been open for, by the way? We've been there for 104 years. I'm the third generation. Um, my brothers and I have run it since 1991. Mm-hmm. 
My father ran it from uh, the early 50s till 91, and then my grandfather before that. Okay. Is there a, is there a next generation coming up? Is there a fourth generation that's interested at There's all, a or? fourth generation working there, but I don't know if the fourth generation wants to work as hard and do all the work that is involved in running that business. So I don't know if, if a Karanzif will be running Crown Candy in the future. I hope so, but I think we're still in the early stages of figuring that out. So you're saying it's hard work because when I look at your Twitter, it seems like you're smoking cigars and, and, and uh, indulging libations all the time, not working particularly hard. That That's just a, a false front. Is that is that fair to say? That's my that's end. the reward for working that hard. That's exactly what it is. I mean, that's the end of day because, you know, I get up at 4.35 o'clock in the morning. I'm there till a short day. I leave at 4 or 4.30. A long day, I leave at 9 or 9.30 at night. You know, so I have a cocktail, I smoke a cigar, I go to bed, and I get up and do it all over again. If all the numbers that are not even, leave out the odd ones. Leave out the odd, you're left with the even, skip off the odd ones. That's amazing. So I have, you had been joking on Twitter that you were going to run for mayor for a while, and I, I don't think a lot of people thought you would actually follow through and pay the $1,000-plus entry fee, um, but you did. And I, I will never forget that day I was scanning the, the list of candidates, and I was like, wait a minute. That's the owner of Crown Candy Kitchen. I think his tweet was literally um, your Twitter handle. Did you just file for mayor? I remember that, too. Yeah, it, 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 it caused a mini uh, sensation. I know the Post-Dispatch wrote about it, but you admitted – when you when you talk to Joe Holloman that it was this is kind of a publicity stunt and you're not you're not making signs you're not getting campaign consultants I don't even think you're really actively campaigning besides coming on this show and you know promoting your restaurant um, so w- what prompted you to do this it was spur of the moment because like you said I've been on Twitter joking about it and I was like nobody in the Republican Party had filed to run. I thought, well, if nobody's going to run, then I'm going to do it just as a tongue-in-cheek thing because a Democrat will be the mayor of St. Louis. Um, that's just the way the city works. So I was literally leaving the bank, driving past the Board of Elections, and there were parking spots. And I thought, <laughs> why not? It's cheaper than buying radio advertising. It's cheaper than newspaper advertising. It's cheaper than TV advertising. Let's see what happens, you know, and and here I am now, you know, uh, a candidate. Are, are you actually a Republican? You know, I would say that I'm, I lean a little more, more Republican than Democrat, but I don't, the, I don't want to say I'm either are because there's stuff that one party does that I like and there's stuff that they do that I don't like. So I vote for the candidate that is closest to how I feel about, you know, the issues. The, the reason I asked that question is, as you mentioned, St. Louis is a very Democratic jurisdiction, but there are Republicans that live in the city of St. Louis. I live in the 16th Ward, which is in southwest St. Louis City, and there are a lot of Republicans that live there, and a lot of them are going to cast a ballot for mayor. And two other Republicans have entered uh, since you filed, and I think that an open question is whether Republicans are going to pull a Democratic ballot because they know that their vote may matter more in that and because the Democratic nominee will likely become mayor or whether they should vote for someone like you or Andrew Jones or, or Jim Osher. Or Jim Osher. Um, has that thought crossed your mind that you actually being in the race may actually affect the outcome of the Democratic primary? Uh, that's been brought to my attention. Um, I, I don't know 
the numbers on Republicans voting in the city. That's the thing is that's such an unknown factor. And we've never never had a Republican in the race or not a, a real candidate. You know, Andrew Jones is a real candidate. He would like to be the nominee. So I don't think it's going to affect it that much. I think the Democrats are going to come out in force for their candidates. I don't know if there's enough Republicans in this to affect it. We're going to find out. This is going to be a learning curve for all of us. Yeah. You know, and find out if the Republican Party may carry some weight in the city. I am curious, though, Andy. You you do love the city. You could have easily, you know, driven in every day to work for you know, work in Crown Candy and not lived in the neighborhood and not stuck it out in the neighborhood. Just kind of overall, what do you think that elected officials from the mayor to alderman on down could do to kind of help out your neighborhood and, and help out, you know, people who have stuck it out in that area for 104 years? Well, that's that's kind of one of those bones of contention for me is that a lot of huge developers get a lot of help and a lot of breaks. And I'm not a politician. I'm not one of these guys that knows all the ins and outs of TIS and all these things that go on with these big, huge companies. But, you know, in my neighborhood and in other neighborhoods, I see the small, you know, the, the, the little guy come in who wants to open a business. And, and I hear the nightmares of trying to navigate, trying to get that business up and running, trying to get that building up and running, um, you know, tr- and that's one of the things where I think the city needs to do a better job of helping the individuals who are in these neighborhoods who are, you know, who, like you said, we've stuck it out. And we're, for lack of a better word, brave enough or dumb enough to to want to wanna be down here, you know, according, depending on who you talk to. Um, rehab houses, start businesses, get that support down there. Um, you know, better streets, better lighting. You know, we all want more policemen. Well, more policemen cost more money. Where does the money come from? Well, the city downtown is the cash cow for the city. I'm sure that generates a huge bulk of the revenue for the city of St. Louis. So the downtown's got to be safe. But the north side wants more police because they want to be safe. And the south side needs police because they want to be safe. You know, people ask me questions, these questions all the time about how do we fix stuff. Well, apparently how we fix stuff is with more money. How do we raise more money? Well, that's a really good question. And I think that when we're talking about bringing a lot of development, not only to the north side, but parts of South St. Louis, which are also economically struggling, I think that there's an internal debate about whether you do small scale development that you mentioned, fixing up houses, trying to encourage a raft of small businesses, or kind of this grand idea, sort of like the Paul McKee north side situation. And, you know, the, the Paul McKee Northside situation, which I'm using kind of euphemistically, has been around for now, I think, over a decade. Close to it, yeah. I, I know that NGA is going to be in that footprint, and I, I'm not going to say that that's not going to have an economic impact. But I think a lot of people are wondering where are the results from that after all the money and political capital have been pumped into that. I don't think you're in the, the, the footprint, but it's pretty close Old to where North you are. Old North was pretty deliberately left out. I we, think. we were, we're about, Crown Candy is about physically eight, nine blocks from that, the start of the NGA. Um, and that area up there, I mean, for lack of a better word, you know, you could have, you could have played golf through most of it because was just, there was just nothing up there. It was just vacant lots, you know, de- deteriorating, you know, vacant homes. Uh, you know, I do feel bad. I know people got displaced, and I know that was, you know, you know, it's a terrible thing. People were upset about that. But, you know, unfortunately, that development for the north side will be a big, I think, a boost in time. When's that time? 
they haven't started doing anything hardly up there yet. So we're still years away from seeing any impact up there. And, and I mean, do you think that, like, will enough people kind of hold on for it to make a difference up there? Or is it just going to be, you know, people coming in, doing their jobs, going out? Like, what, what do you hope the impact is versus what do you think it is going to be? Well, I don't think that if people think that the NGA is going to come, we're going to have 3,000 or 4,000 people working up there, that they're all going to run out the door and it's going to have a huge impact on the, the surrounding area. I don't think that's the case because from what I've been told, the NGA is pretty self-contained. So I'm not going to have a line of people from the NGA waiting to come in and buy a malt or a BLT because they've got their own cafeterias, they bring their own food. So I don't think that impact is going to be as significant. The significant part of it is going to be the construction workers that come in over the next, let's call it four or five years, that are going to come in, they're going to drive to work, they're going to stop, they're going to stop on their way back, they're going to get lunch. I think we're going to see a bigger impact from that initially. I do believe that once that place is up and running, it will start to have a ripple effect on the streets and neighborhoods around them. They, things will improve. There'll be a better police presence. There'll be better streets. There'll be better lighting. So it will gradually, I think, help the area. But it's going to be a long-term thing. What did lead you and the family to kind of stick it out when you could have, you know, just said, hey, this, this isn't worth it anymore? I mean, growing up, work with my dad. People took runs of my dad all the time. You should move to Chesterfield. You should move to Frontenac. You should move to St. Charles County. You should. And my dad always said, no, this is where we belong. I mean, partly because, A, the place is paid for. Everything's paid for, you know, as far as that goes. So, you know, rent's cheap and, you know, overhead's cheap. But I think that's what makes us unique is the fact that we've been there for so long and that there's so many family connections for my customers that they can, you know, they can say my great-grandfather or my grandfather or my parents met here or your dad threw my dad out of here or, you know, <laughs> or, you know, my grandpa used to sit back and play cards with your grandpa, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's what makes us unique. I mean, if we were Crown Candy in Webster or Kirkwood or Main Street, St. Charles, it just wouldn't be the same thing. It's just not the same. Well, I, I, I'm bringing up a letter that uh, Tashara Jones wrote to, uh, to the Post-Dispatch editorial board. I'm not getting into the the substance of it, but I, it, the, there was one line that really stuck with me about about the city of St. Louis, and that is, what is killing our city is poverty. And she also talked about the racial disparities and, and the segregation that's happening in our city. And I'm just wondering, from somebody who is in North St. Louis, which is predominantly African-American. You've stayed there. It used to be more diverse back in the 30s and 40s and 50s. I know that because my great-grandparents lived there. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment that that poverty and, and racial segregation and racial disparities is, is hurting St. Louis right now? I think within the city, I, I would go right away with the economic factor. That is a huge problem. You know, we, you know, these part of the problem is these young kids don't have jobs, so they they don't even think they're going to have a future working. You know, or they don't want to work at a fast food restaurant because that's that's their options. So we've got to figure out how to, and it's tough. I mean, she's she's accurate to an, to a point. Yeah, you know, I mean, the north south divide. I don't believe that's accurate anymore because I think there are more people living south that are, uh, you know, African-American, African you know, and then there's more people, there's, there's more white folks who live north than you would think, mm -hmm. 
but you get deep north, and it, it definitely is more of a, you know, it's a black population, and, and there is not a lot of economic opportunity up there for them. So, but how do we solve that problem? You know, okay, we got to educate these kids better. We've got we've, we've to put them on the right path sooner than later, because if, if, if I see kids that, that are 9, 10, 11, 12 years old that, that are already, uh, uh, they're lost. They're, they're already out at night. You know, their, their parents aren't supervising them. Their idea of dinner is walking up to the gas station and buying a fruity drink or a sugary drink and, and a bag of chips and, and something like that that's not good for them. And, you know, so we've got, we've got a whole generation that is on the cusp of going right back down the same path. So is there segregation? Yes. Is there an economic, you know, disparity? Yes. That, I mean, they're there. We can't hide behind the fact that, oh, no, they're not. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, the, re- the reason I bring that up is I think even if you – I think if you put lots and lots of poor people in a concentrated area, regardless of whether they're, they're African-American low-income residents or white low-income residents, you're, you're going to see a lot of – economic problems and you're going to see a lot of crime you're going to see a lot of issues that you just mentioned and it i don't want to overgeneralize because i know there are parts of north st louis which are not low income and that are, are working class and middle class and even to some extent upper class but i would say driving through north st louis and parts of south st louis the concentrated poverty is is not that hard to find it's it's right in your face and I'm just wondering, too, that we've had 16 years of a mayor, um, and I'm wondering if this is part of his legacy, that parts of the city have not been able to catch up economically to other parts of the city. And I, I'm going to—in 1983, I moved down into the city, and I lived in an apartment above Crowns. Mm-hmm. And it was rough back then, mm-hmm. and that was when you know the the flight was kind of the tail end of everybody had moved out. They had moved, you know, the, the people on the north side, the white people on the north side had moved to the south side because the north side was getting too bad. You know, that was that was their answer. Is I'm going to move down here. So so now you've got homes that are not owned by the people that are living in them. So they're not going to be they're not going to care as much about them. So they're, they're going to start to deteriorate. Um, you're going to have – the neighborhood just kind of spiraled. And that a lot of neighborhoods spiraled. Right. You know, and, and like you said, it comes back to the same thing. The, the people living there either didn't have jobs or didn't have very good jobs, and they didn't have any sense that they could better themselves, that there was a, a hope or a future. Um, so – you know, things kind of spiraled and they spiraled all over the city, you know, in pockets here and pockets there. And, you know, St. Louis doesn't own the market on this. So, you know, every urban city has this issue. Um, I think the mayor has done a lot of good things. Absolutely. Positively. You know, and we could look at the we can look behind us, but it doesn't change what's in front of us. You know, in front of us is what's important now. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've got to figure out how to fix what's going on right now. Do you worry it at all that you know, as as people push for neighborhoods to get better and, and to diversify, that there's also an element of kind of taking of gentrification in there. Do you worry about, you know, the 14th Street Mall is fabulous and wonderful and Crown Candy has its place there. But do you worry about, you know, changing 
the character of the neighborhood maybe for the better, for the worse, as they try to improve it in a sense. Uh, first of all, I don't like that word gentrification. It, it, Fair it, enough. It, it just it makes me a little bit crazy because I know that w- what people they imply that they're going to push the poor people out and they're going to have to go live somewhere else because they can't afford to live where they've lived. Well, part of it is we all live there. We all want to live in a nice neighborhood. We all live in a safe neighborhood. Now, I'm not saying that you know you have to get rid of the poor people. We have to get rid of the crime, and we have to give people an option. We have to have affordable living options that are good options for people. Um, you know, if a neighborhood becomes gentrified, is there less crime? Um, I don't know if that's true or not because in the city there's crime. I mean, there's crime around me. You know, there, there's no denying that. There's crime in South City. There's crime in the Central West End. It's, it's, there's crime all over. Criminals, they don't know boundaries. So they don't know this is a nice neighborhood. I need to go somewhere else and commit a crime. Um, so, you know, if the north side got gentrified, I don't think that, first of all, I don't think that'll ever happen. I've, I've told friends in the neighborhood, this is an organic neighborhood. We've always been just a, just a little bit rough, but also just a little bit pretty, you know, some of the architecture, some of the great buildings, some of the great people, you know, but you've already got to have your edgy elements, you know. So finding a happy balance where we can have middle income, low middle income, maybe a little bit higher because some of these houses on St. Louis Avenue are fabulous. They're, they're huge houses. You know, some of these, you know, you know, they were built for the World's Fair. You know, so there's plenty of high end. There's plenty of low end. And we've just got to figure out how we can all – have a decent place to live, you know. So what role does a mayor, whether that is somehow you or whoever is elected, what role does a mayor play in kind of shepherding that kind of development through where there is that balance between allowing the people who who have helped build the neighborhood to stay there while also improving it overall? You know, that's a that's a you wonder about that. And I wonder about that cuz like I said, I don't I, you know, I, I run a business and I've got to keep everybody happy. I've got to keep my employees happy. I keep my customers happy. So as a mayor, I guess you're running a business. So you've got to keep the people that are keeping you in power happy. You've also got to try and keep the people that don't like you happy. So, you know, it circles back to, I know downtown gets a lot of the love and a lot of people complain that they get all the love, but, but I, w- I would like to know how much of the revenue generated from downtown gets passed out to the other areas. I mean, how much money goes to the north side? How much money goes to the the state streets? You know, whatever that you know, the near south side. Um, you know, we we want to spread the money out evenly. You know, we would like to think that you know some places need a little bit more help. You know, the downtown. You know, they we, they've got their warts, but you know, you know, this, you know, we've got plenty of issues all over the city. But it's about spreading the money out properly. It's about getting the aldermen to work together. And I know that an alderman fights for their ward, and that's what they're supposed to do. But we've got to figure out how to get everybody on the same page. Well, let's do a lightning round because we did that <laughs> yesterday at the debate, which you weren't at. And people were very disappointed that you weren't there. I, I was making uh, chocolate Easter bunnies. I, I, think that I was going to w- say it is getting kind of toward that uh, ridiculously busy season oh yeah, for those, you, isn't it? Those rabbits. I can't get away from them. <laughs> so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just uh, say a word, and you're going to just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Stan Kroenke. Can't stand them. The St. Louis Blues. Eternal heartbreak. Um, the Scott Trade Center. Needs to be fixed up. French fries. Don't start. <laughs> Hamburgers. I like them. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. 
an institution that that is great for the entire city and region? Uh, MLS soccer. They should pay for their own stadium. Um, St. Charles. I hate to drive out there. Chesterfield. I hate to drive out there. Um, Steak and Jake. Haven't been there in years. Can't imagine why. <laughs> um, Dexter Fowler. Hopefully, I like the guy. I Hopefully, he's going to be good for the city and the team. Michael Walker. <sighs> Let's keep our fingers crossed and hope he's the guy we think he is. Jimmy Matthews. How many different things can he run for? Bill Haas. He'll never go away. Leonard Steinman. Who? <laughs> Steinman. He's a guy with a beard. You, he, got, you he, got me. He looks like Santa Claus. He's also run for a lot of offices. <laughs> he, 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 is the, he is a meme, a walking meme. I missed him. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to. We'll have I'll to Google him. We'll, you'll have to Google him. <laughs> we stumped Andy. Um, I'm trying to think of any other words. Um, Trevor Rosenthal. He's a mystery right now. Kurt Warner. Best three-year run in St. Louis for a sports team. Man, what a, what a party. NFL football in St. Louis. If they're coming, we're not paying for it. Curling. I've actually watched that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I don't crack up many times at that show. But, uh, uh, milkshakes. I make an awful lot of them on Saturdays. What is, what is the um, record for number of milkshakes made in a day? 524, and I scooped every single one of them. Jeez. That's yeah, that, three scoops per shake, so that's over – just on shakes, that's over 1,500 scoops of ice cream. Um, well, that is very impressive, and I think that one day I will take a lactate and try to, to have some of that because, as I said before, I do not consume dairy products. I, my last question, what do you think of people that don't consume dairy products? That depends. Are you consuming it because it is a physical issue, or is it because it, for, you know you have a, a ethical uh, reason for not doing it? That's you know that, that's important. Well, that's a good question because I made the decision to not consume dairy products about four or five years ago, and by virtue of that decision, I can now not physically consume a lot of it without feeling sick. So I guess it's both, it, but I think that it's my own fault essentially, and I deserve to be condemned. No. Pretty, no. pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty viciously too. I am, I am pro dairy products. That's what lactate was made for. Well, is there anything else that you want to add? I, I know that again, your your campaign is unusual, but we actually talked about a lot of important issues and development, poverty. Uh, what else do you want to convey to the people of St. Louis as you make your historic run for mayor? Well, I think first of all, don't vote for me. My wife will kill me if I if I win. Um, I I just. I'm excited because people are involved. They're engaged. You know, I feel like, you know, for the last 16 years, people haven't really been that engaged because it's just been city politics and people take it for granted that certain people are going to be elected in certain positions and things are changing. You know, there's there's the old guard still there, but the but the young progressives are coming. And then, you know, but we just all got to be involved all the time after after. The April election, we all still have to be involved. We all have to pay attention to what's going on, you know. So, you know, I'm excited. I mean, I think the city's going to be going in a good direction, but it's a long haul. There's no easy fix, and 
I don't envy the person who's going to have the job of trying to do that. Well, we just want to thank you for coming in today and and talking with us. And regardless of what your party is, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green Party, Whig, Independent, Independent, Natural Law Party, Whigs. Did I already say Whigs? You did say Whigs. Uh, I don't think think Bull Moose is still in existence. No no nothings. We hope that the people that live in the city of St. Louis vote in this election, not only for mayor, but for aldermen and the, the ballot initiatives that are coming up in March and April. Uh, very important decisions we have in the future. And we want to thank you for, for coming on our show. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Rachel on Twitter at... At R. Lipman, two P's, two N's. And how can people follow you on the World Wide Web? Uh, I'm only on Twitter. I'm not on that uh, Facebook thing. Uh, you can follow me at, at KZ, K-Z-I-E-F-F. That's my handle. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long, and drink a couple of milkshakes. Two... Four, six, eight. Eat.